The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed during this or any broadcast belong solely to our guests or our hosts. These broadcasts do not represent or reflect the views of their employers, sponsors, or affiliated organizations. Welcome to the Flipboard EDU podcast with your host, William Jeffrey, where we collaborate, communicate, and educate with the greatest educators in the world on Flipboard. Let's start the show. Welcome back, Flipboard fam. This is your favorite coach, Coach Jeffrey. And storytelling might be the unsung hero of the pandemic. More and more schools are seeing the importance of incorporating a narrative during COVID-19. Traditionally, school districts don't proactively tell their own stories, and as a result, they aren't always accurately represented in the media. Professional journalist and author Clement Townsend feels a huge need as he mentors students and teachers on video journalism and broadcasting. Townsend is a journalist and author of the book, How to Become a Broadcasting Star. He seeks to improve student skills in broadcasting and journalism by supporting educators' professional learning in video editing, social media, news writing, and radio production. In this episode, we speak with Clement about the importance of mentoring students in the field of video broadcasting and appropriate use of social media. He discusses how teachers can improve and incorporate social media opportunities that are project-based and outlines in his step-by-step process to motivate students to use their voice like a pro. So like we always do at this time, let's collaborate, communicate, and educate with the best educators in the world right here on Flipboard EDU Podcast. Welcome back, Flipboard fam. This is your favorite coach, Coach Jeffrey, and I have another amazing guest tonight, Mr. Clement Townsend. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Coach Jeffrey. I appreciate it. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So just a little, it can be difficult to summarize my story and how I really got into teaching media to youth. But basically, Coach Jeffrey, I was a huge sports fan when I was in high school coming up. I wanted to go to the NBA, but that didn't work out. That happens for a lot of youth. But most, both of my parents were educators. And I'm sure that you can understand as educators, they always instilled in me that, son, you need to have a plan. What are you going to do? So I wanted to try to stay around sports, so I decided I would go into media. Didn't exactly know how that career path looked, but they told me as an educator, just go to college. So that was the decision I made. I uh, chose to go to Temple University, got a communications degree, and after that took me to San Angelo, Texas. And man, that was quite an experience from Chicago to Philadelphia to San Angelo. Learned a lot about myself, thought I would be there one or two years, ended up there five years. Long time in San Angelo, Texas, but persevered, moved on to Mobile. A lot of people always felt like I had potential to go to ESPN, but I just wanted to go home to Chicago. I just wanted my parents to be able to see me on television in Chicago. In Mobile, though, I met a lot of young people who saw what I was doing and thought that it was interesting. They, they, they wanted to know how could they be in media, how could they be on television. That always stuck with me. Not to mention I got a chance to do some cool things in Mobile, NBA All-Star Games, Super Bowl, College Football National Championship. Was there for eight years, 
Then I went to Lynchburg, Virginia for one year. And, and after one year, I got the call that I had been waiting so long for that I had been dreaming of. And that was the call from a television station in Chicago. It took 14 years. Perseverance pays off. I'm a testament to that. But a few months before I got that call, Coach Jeffrey, my mom had got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she went through the chemotherapy and things of that nature. And I moved to Chicago. And the same week that I moved, unfortunately, she passed away. So that was a tough time. You know, what I had been trying to accomplish for those 14 years, for her to see me on television, she didn't get to see it, but my dad did get to see it. And I was on television in my hometown for three years, and then they had cutbacks. They had layoffs. So for the first time in 17 years, I found myself at a crossroads, not in media, but I knew I always came across young people that wanted to do what I was doing. And I'm passionate. I have a, a, a real passion for young people, for students, seeing them succeed. So I felt like I could take the knowledge and everything that I knew, all the experiences I had, and now teach young people. Whereas Coach Jeffrey, in the beginning, I never really wanted to be a teacher. I guess that was in me all the time. Who my parents were rubbed off on me as now I'm educating youth in terms of media. Hey, man, that is an amazing story. And I'm so glad I got a chance to get it again. That was just an amazing story. So much of your story that I just really want to dig into. And I think you answered my next question was, why is it important to train youth on media and broadcasting? It's a couple of reasons that's important. First of all, I think a lot of times educators, don't always realize how important the media is in in terms of messages and in terms of controlling the narrative. So it's so important for you to understand they now, because of technology, play an important role in terms of what they see. For so long, people were beholden to what they saw on the news. But now that the barrier has been broken, with the internet and social media and YouTube, students can now create images and now showcase the positive things that they see and showcase things from their perspective. So understanding messaging is one reason why it's important to train them. And then number two, it's just the benefits that go along with it. I never realized how media and really telling stories with a video just improved my creativity, Coach Jeffrey. When you go to tell someone's story, and you go film it for me with a video camera, but now I teach students with a phone, and you go to edit. Coach Jeffrey, you could go to a story, and I could go to a story, but it look completely different based on how we see it and how we use our creativity. And I just believe when you have students and you're able to inspire them and really tap into their creativity, that has such enormous benefits because a person that's creative can always make some things happen and never can really feel stuck because they have their creativity. And then not to mention just the simple writing skills because you're telling a story, speaking skills because you're narrating a story. But it's super important on many fronts for students to get this information and training. You said the magic word for me. Our podcast is based on four tenets, communication, critical thinking, collaboration, and creativity has been bubbling up a lot lately, especially during the pandemic. Who taught you to be creative? That's, that's a good question. I think. Everyone has creativity on the inside of them. It's just a matter of that creativity being unleashed or released. And for me, the storytelling process really brought that out of me, choosing to talk about sports or choosing to talk about entertainment or whatever it is that just allowed me to take what I saw and put my skin on it, put my touch on it. 
And that's why I think it's so important for students because certainly I'm all for education. You're all for education. But in terms of, I won't say the old way, Coach Jeffrey, but I would just say the normal way, the textbook way, textbook with science, textbook with math and things of that nature, that doesn't always really spark or release a student's creativity. But I think when you have media and you have video and it's like project-based learning, now they're actually creating something, I think that really sparks the creativity. So I can't point to one person, but I just think through me telling a thousand stories, that just developed my creativity. It just took it through the roof. And not only did it develop my creativity, it just always got me outside of my comfort zone and pushed the boundaries, always trying to make each story better than the last, always trying to make everyone engaging and something that people would remember. So you're not an educator by trade at all, right? I'm not an educator by trade. Certainly, I'm a journalist for 17 years and now actually work with different schools as a consultant training students in media. Well, I asked that question because you bust out some old magical teaching words. Jig-based learning. Ooh-wee, <laughs> look at them. That right there is the the key to, to teaching and learning currently in the 21st century, and it, it's good that you're on that path. Do you think that mentorship is important for use in the field of broadcasting? Absolutely. I wish that I would have had someone when I was in middle school or high school that could have led the way for me, that could have given me a blueprint. So I always go back to it, but certainly I I met so many young people along the way that wanted to do what I was doing. So that actually prompted me to write a book. That was the first step. And I wrote a book, How to Become a Broadcasting Star. But there's only so much you could put in a book. And I knew there was a, a lot more guidance and information that teenagers and youth needed. So that led me to the next step of actually creating a program whereby now they can use technology and on-demand lessons where I could teach them step-by-step how you find a story and how you set up interviews, how you do the research, ask the proper questions, and then just walk them through step-by-step. Certainly having a mentor is, is, is super important and young people being able to learn this at a much earlier age I always say it's difficult for young people to aspire to what they haven't been exposed to. So that's why I just feel it's so important whether I'm in the school system or somebody views my lessons now that they have been exposed to it and their perspective has been open and they now see it. Now they can aspire to it. Sometimes if if a young person, they might see somebody in media or in front of the camera but if they never really touched somebody or came across that person, it's like something that's far off and not realistic. But now with me connecting with students and having programs and courses, I feel that it makes it more relatable and more realistic to students. That's amazing that you said that. Our last episode with Terrell Key said the same exact thing. It's just reinforcing some of the things that we try to keep in our minds when we're trying to get students to be successful. And a lot of times in our curriculum, we don't make time for mentorship. And for what you said, if they don't see it, they have a hard time being it. So I appreciate you bringing that out. Who do you credit for your success in broadcasting? There was a gentleman when I was in college, his name was Brian Aiken. That was probably the first person that really took me under their wing, certainly in terms of media and broadcasting, speaking and writing. Those are the hallmarks. Those are the foundations. My writing was pretty good, but just in terms of my diction and articulation, some of those other finer points, he really brought those out to me and told me in a constructive way, and I was willing to receive it about some of the areas that I really needed to take a hard look at. 
and practice if I really wanted to have a long-term career and be successful. So I really took that to heart. Certainly some other people along the way after that are Phil Andrews, the lady Jenna Wolf, who used to be on a Today Show. Those are uh, a few of the people that had a major impact in my career early on. We were talking about students and broadcasting. What opportunities do you think that learning how to be a broadcaster can offer marginalized students? Just going back to what I said a little bit earlier as it relates to what they see and as it relates to them understanding the importance of their voice. I don't know if a lot of times marginalized students or students of color, people really emphasize or really drive home how important their voice is and that their voice needs to be heard and also giving them an outlet to express themselves. Certainly many years ago, there was just journalism and writing things down, writing a story, writing poems, writing artwork and things of that nature. But really before we had these devices, as in cell phones, and as in really recording devices in our pocket, youth never really had a chance to create videos that could be disseminated to a large audience or could be shared with a large audience. So it is super important now, as I mentioned before, in terms of the narrative for youth to be able to talk about topics that are relevant to them, for them to be able to express their point of view and to even showcase more positive things. Everything doesn't have to be negative. Who are some of the leaders in their community? For youth to be able to highlight actually with video, tell those stories. Who are some of the leaders in their school? Maybe someone that won an award, a teacher, or even their classmates, their peers. So being able to just showcase and, and put a spotlight on the positive things, I think that's super important. And that's why I'm so passionate about more schools having media in the curriculum. Because Coach Jeffrey, when you talk about marginalized students, there are schools that do have this, but a lot of students of color in their schools, they don't have it. And certainly people will say some schools marginalized uh, with the marginalized students don't have a budget. They don't have to have a full production studio, Coach Jeffrey. They don't have to have three and four cameras, green screen, lights, and everything like that. Nowadays, if students have a cell phone, which depending on what grade level you're in, if you're talking about junior high school, most students have a cell phone. And as long as they can get some apps, they can start right there creating content and really starting to, again, push out positive pieces of content, tell positive stories uh, that can inform and inspire other people. I used to work in an elementary as a digital learning specialist. And one of the things that we used to do was we used to go and help broadcasting at different elementaries. And one thing that I noticed was when they picked the students to be on camera, they only picked the best and the brightest. How do you feel about that? That's interesting because certainly people that are articulate, the best and the brightest people would try to put them in the spotlight or put them to the forefront. But there are a lot of youth that I encounter that you wouldn't think that can really speak well, given the right topic. It all depends on what you're trying to discuss. I guess say putting them in the proper situation. That's why I go back to when it comes to telling stories and videos and doing this in the classroom, whether it's a media elective or whether even I, I just feel so passionate that this video and storytelling can go into an English class. It can be a part of ELA. If you allow students to pick the topic, to have 
a say in what it is that they're discussing. As we talk about the project-based learning, if they can pick the topic, then I don't feel it has to be the best and the brightest. It just has to be a topic that student is comfortable with. If they're comfortable talking about food, let them talk about recipes and write a story maybe about Thanksgiving dinner or what they like to cook or however you would formulate that into the unit for that specific curriculum. But sometimes where it becomes an issue is on camera, you pick certain students and they're not comfortable with whatever it is that you put in front of them. But if you allow them to get into their comfort zone, so many of our students will excel in front of the camera given the right topic. I love your answer. The reason why I brought that up is because when I was a digital learning specialist coming in to support the announcements, what I noticed is biases were we had students who were of one color, uh, of one grade level, and it was very few differences in these students. And what I found was the ones who they considered to be the best and brightest was the ones who was going to be, yes, ma'am, no, sir, look you in the eyes in the classroom. As I spent time at these elementary schools, what I noticed is those marginalized students who happened to be students of color were not allowed to be a part of the broadcasting or the announcements. Or if they did, it was only one or two out of a team of sometimes 20. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And that's why I truly feel like this should be a part of the class. Whereas if it's a media elective, now you have all 25 students being able to create content and discuss what they want to discuss and potentially be in front of the camera. Certainly when I help organizations now or schools now go through the storytelling process, you can have video and you can narrate it. And a student doesn't necessarily have to be on camera. That's not uh, mandatory. Certainly with me being in front of the camera for 17 years, I certainly like students to try it out because I feel like public speaking is so important. Certainly you still have some adults who struggle with public speaking. So if that's something that a student can get comfortable with at a young age, I feel like that would help them. But again, they don't have to be in front of the camera. And again, that can help out some students who are a little hesitant uh, about the on-camera having that face on to be more comfortable with the whole media process. What other skills do you suggest students acquire when learning broadcasting? Again, just really, I think you hit on the four C's, uh, the communication, collaboration, uh, creativity, critical thinking. I I just think the critical thinking piece is, is so key in terms of analyzing information. One of the things that I truly emphasize really from a journalism background is doing the proper research. I must be hungry. I guess I'll go back to the food example. I don't know why that's in my mind, but if it's a student who really has an interest in food and for whatever reason, their story, what they choose to create has to do with food, just really going into research about different recipes or different options or different cooks and and different just really diving into that subject, not necessarily being on the surface, but really being well-versed and really being very prepared on the subject. So, yeah, I I think that is very important in terms of skills, in terms of the critical thinking. Again, interviewing people, asking proper questions, filming, putting it all together, just so many different pieces that come together. I think that really takes, I think that really helps their critical thinking. And again, not just to be a journalist. They don't have to want to go into the profession like I did. I always like to emphasize that. Schools have music programs, but that doesn't mean every student is going to be a professional musician. Certainly, coach schools have sports programs, but every child is not going to be a professional athlete. 
But in that, it's so many things that they can learn from a music program, a sports program, or from a media program that just really helps them. It gives them those life skills that everybody needs. My father and his family is from Chicago. My cousins grew up on 89th and Morgan in Southside Chicago. That's around my way. That is around my way. Yeah. 89th and Morgan, not too far off. Wow. Uh, yeah, coming from Chicago in the early 90s, man, it was a lot going on back then, man. How did you escape that? Wow. Definitely have to credit my parents. I was blessed enough to come from a two-parent household, so I think that made a difference. My parents always stressed education. So when your parents are educators, I won't say you have no choice but to do good in school, but it certainly helps, though. It, it, it really helps because they're going to put you in the best position to succeed. And, and then just good decision-making. Certainly, you mentioned Chicago and whoever listens to this around the country. Chicago has the reputation for really just trying to make proper decisions to ensure or put myself in the best position to succeed and rise above some of the things that I saw. Certainly some things are out of your control because some people get caught up in the wrong place at the wrong time. But if you do your best to stay away from certain situations, when some of my friends will say, I'm going to do this, I have to have the discipline to say, I don't think that's a good idea. I'll see you all later. Making those proper decisions that allow me to rise above that and to have some sort of success in my life. It's inspirational for me to hear that another young man made it out and made it all the way to Temple University and then to San Angelo and then to Mobile, Alabama to be in the position that you did, man. You're inspiring to me. I appreciate your struggle because I feel like it's not enough of us telling our stories on how we got out. Absolutely. I, I think that's super important for students to know what's possible for them, for students to understand whether it's from a Chicago or whether it's from a Houston, Texas or a Dallas, Texas, regardless of what their environment is, if they set goals, if they're willing to work hard, if they're willing to make those proper decisions, they can have the life that they dream of. They will have a life where they have different options and they can have success and they can have a life that's satisfying, have a happy life. So that's certainly possible for young people. And I really like to just prove that is the case. So what advice would you give teachers who want to start a journalism program? You don't have to get the latest equipment to get started. Certainly educators can start just using a cell phone. A lot of students, middle school and high school, are very familiar with technology. So if you put them in position and start giving them project-based assignments and things of that nature, certainly I believe they will excel in that sort of thing. When you look at a TikTok or a Snapchat and some other things out there like that, young people already are familiar with some sort of editing. And then once you add in the video component, every young person, I won't say every, but 90% of young people that I encounter want to do YouTube. And they want to make videos. Uh, again, just really start where your students are. Don't be afraid to actually incorporate video. Certainly, again, I have a program where I teach Adobe Premiere and I teach, obviously, Adobe Rush on the cell phone with the app and things of that nature. So certainly just really taking advantage of the resources that are out at this point in time. Taking advantage of the fact that all the barriers have been brought down in terms of distributing media to a wide audience. I feel like it just helps the school so much better in terms of promoting school pride. Who better to tell the stories of what's going on at a school than the participants? 
you know, who better to talk about the science fair than the students or the career fair than the students? And now creating those stories and maybe put it on the school website and then the parents can see what's going on. Or maybe the alumni can see what's going on or the community see what's going on. So start small. It doesn't have to be a huge show. It can just be students creating stories with a video to showcase what's going on at that school. I think that's a, a fantastic place to start. PR is missing in schools. You hit the nail on the head. That is what schools are actually struggling with, especially during the COVID-19 era. Where can our guests find you at? The website I've mentioned before, how I'm able to work with educators around the country to help them integrate media into their curriculum and do it simple and easy. I know educators are frustrated and overwhelmed. So that's what led me to create Video Journalism Pro. So that's something plug and play that uh, educators can use to really get started with a media in the classroom. VideoJournalismPro.com. On LinkedIn, you can find me, Clement Townsend. Facebook is C. Townsend TV. My first initial and my last name. And Instagram is the same handle. Townsend TV. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for just being an inspiration. And I'm just going to have to figure out how I can work with you again. So, Jeffrey, I appreciate you having me. Thanks for all the good work that you do with the Flipboard podcast and certainly keep the great content coming. Welcome to Flip Tips. Today's Flip Tip is how to get started with Flipboard. Very simple. I want to thank Jeanette Spire and Terry Porter for coming up with our flip tips for today. The first thing you want to do is download the app for your Android or iOS device. Second thing you want to do is you want to create an account. Make sure you add a picture and complete your bio. Third thing you want to do is you want to follow topics. There are at least 34,000 topics that you can follow. Next thing you want to do is build your magazine. Navigate to the bottom of your profile icon and then select the collection options. Give your magazine the title and you've built your first magazine. I want to give a huge shout out for Terry Porter and Jeanette Spire on giving us today's flip tips. Subscribe to our Flipboard EDU podcast magazine. Flipboard fam, thanks for listening with me on this episode. I would like to thank Clement Townsend for taking the time to talk with us about using video in the classroom. I also want to give a huge shout out to Aileen Laylor and Crystal Vanderboom for the editorials on the Flip EDU Educators blog. Remember to subscribe to our Flipboard EDU magazine on Flipboard.com. I also want to thank all educators and wish them a happy Thanksgiving. Remember, guys, socially distance over the break and get plenty of rest. Also, please subscribe and share our podcast with an educator or colleague. Our podcast is available globally and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time, family.